I'm not waking up and I'm not smiling consistently in a day. Like I got one life to live and so I better be smiling a lot. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with mega entrepreneur and the host of Women of Impact, Lisa Bilyeu. She says that if you're going to get to your next level, you must ask yourself, how all in am I really? Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you are absolutely brand spanking new to this community, here's what you need to know. We believe that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. I've been known as a personal finance expert for nearly a decade, but what I truly believe is that wealth is all about well-being, first and foremost. And so that's what we do here. We unpack that and we find ways to incorporate that into our everyday life. So if you're new, you may want to go back to our six foundational pillars, the six pillars of wealth. Go back to some of our initial episodes way back in your podcast app to 2017 and listen to those six pillars because it'll help you start to shift the way you think about money and wealth. Now, I am so excited for you to dig into this episode with my girl, Lisa Bilyeu. And I don't say my girl just to throw it around. Truly, truly, even since the recording of this actual episode, we have become more and more fond of one another and really just grown. And not because of who Lisa is or, you know, what she does but truly because of how she shows up so authentically, so loving, so caring. My daughter and I have just fallen in love with her. And I just consider it such a blessing to be her friend, to be someone that's in her world. She's truly amazing. So we're going to get into this episode that really makes you ask yourself the question, if I say that I really want something, how all in am I really? And I really want you to have that up front so you can think through it as you hear how all in Lisa was when she built her billion dollar company. Now, listen, before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by my 12 month private mastermind community, Mastery and Momentum. The doors are now open. They're now open. So if you're a female entrepreneur, executive or some other type of woman leader, who knows exactly what you want, but the roadmap to get there is a little shaky and the radical accountability is non-existent, then this community may be for you. I've created a safe space for purpose-driven women to become their best selves physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and financially. And I want you to do that all while building a business or career that you love. I believe that it is meaningless to have all this wealth building experience if you're not going to take the well-being into account. And I believe it's kind of meaningless to only know the well-being pieces of yourself, but never reach the full potential of your purpose either. And I know that what we've created in our space is a safe space to explore that and to combine it and integrate those efforts beautifully with peace and grace and ease. And so if it sounds like something you're interested in, I encourage you to check it out at MasteryAndMomentum.com. That's at MasteryAndMomentum.com. So now let me tell you about Lisa. 
Lisa Bilyeu is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, a digital media production company focused on empowering content. In addition to co-founding Impact Theory, she co-founded the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition eight years ago. Her career trajectory has been an astonishing arc from housewife to entrepreneur and transforming her business focus from nutrition to entertainment media. And now, jumping in front of the camera, Lisa hosts the show, Women of Impact, that centers on all things female empowerment. And I'm proud to say that I was a guest on Women of Impact. And when you hear our interview, you'll hear us say that there were about 180,000 views. Well, just several weeks later, that would double. And now there's over 360,000 views to just my interview alone. So when we talk about a woman of impact, we're talking Lisa Bilyeu. Without further ado, here's my girl. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Girl, you changed my life. Do you know that? (laughs) You changed my life, girl. (laughs) You changed my life. So for those of you who don't know, well, I've already said it in the intro, but Lisa is the host of Women of Impact, which is just incredibly amazing. And I was sharing with Lisa off. Um, offline kind of online not recording yet whatever I was sharing that since the moment I walked into her home I felt so like loved and appreciated to record this episode and it was such a blessing to have my daughter with me and everything about being in your home and doing that episode Lisa and thinking that we went 45 minutes but we had really talked like an hour and a half (laughs) and (laughs) Like everything about that moment was so special and it felt so good that I knew that that episode was going to do well, but I didn't see it doing at the time of this recording, 180,000 views on YouTube. I didn't see that. I I didn't either. I knew we were going to affect some people. We were going to make some impact, but it just goes to show girl when we aim high, there's still another, another level. Right. And that's kind of what people have been showing that they really want to hear your voice and you have such a unique and authentic voice and way of saying things. And you're so relatable that girl, like it just came out in the episode. Right. And so, you know, you're very sweet to say that you're thanking me, but at the end of the day, you're like, you did it. I just gave you the platform for you to shine as bright as you are. So it's very sweet of the you, but girl, you, you freaking rocked it. Well, you know what's so funny, Lisa? I was I was sharing this with my husband the other day. I'm like, for all the things that I've been on, and I text this to you, you know, I've done Steve Harvey, I've done Dr. Oz, I've done Fox News, I've done all these big shows, national shows with millions of reach in, you know, probably two dozen times now. But I have never felt so seen and so heard like that was one of the first times I think it's the first time that I truly truly felt like all of Patrice Mm -hmm. and I know we're going to go back and forth about who to thank here so (laughs) but I still have to thank you for creating such an authentic and genuine and loving platform for women to truly show their impact, right? Like to truly show all of who they are, the good, the bad, everything in between and feel safe doing it because I've been on a lot of stages. I've done a lot of things, but I can't say that I've always felt safe Mm. being all of me. 
And I really feel like your environment created that. So again, I'm going to thank you, but I'll stop now because we'll just okay. go back and forth for the and, rest of our life. And I think that we can show women as well that we can take compliments because I think that's one thing that um, at least I know that I used to be really bad at. Um, and so I will just respond and say, thank you. Yes, thank you. So one of the things that struck me, Lisa, at your house was that, first of all, your whole team was there. So there was like, <laughs> there's like people with, behind every door. It's like, and then there's people over here. <laughs> there's people over here, right? But the thing that really struck me was how you interacted with your team. And even then, I don't know if you realize when we were in the room uh, in the office where the guys who were working on your comic book series were, um, yeah. I have to take out my phone. You were just dropping gems. <laughs> she doesn't even know. This is just, you're blowing my mind. And one of the things that you said is you take the best talent and then you invest in them. Yeah. Can you just even talk about that? Because I know as entrepreneurs, especially, and I know that you started Quest, you know, with just you and your your co-founders and you were stuffing and packaging things and shipping things. I know you did all of that stuff, too. (laughs) So we'll go we'll do the backstory. But I just love to hear even how you got to this point of the idea of taking the best talent and investing, because sometimes when it's time to grow the business, people do the opposite. Mm. They kind of like shortchange themselves on just trying to get whatever help they can. Yeah. And I remember telling one of my clients at one point, as you know, for me, it's sometimes it's better to have no body than a bad body. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's so true. <laughs> so talk to me about just that, your ability or your rationale behind taking the best talent and then investing further. Yeah. And um, let me elaborate a little on the word talent as well, because I don't think it means that were you born with a certain skill set that you either have or you don't. It really is how much you have you dedicated your life to that skill? And are you willing to keep pushing yourself and learning? Because that's a massive point, because if somebody came in and they were extremely talented and they think that they're, am I allowed to swear on the show, by the way? <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. So if they come and they think they're the shit, then the chances are I'm actually not going to hire you, even if you're more amazing than the other person. Because now it means that you're not willing to grow. You're not willing to look things in the face and say, you know what, this wasn't good enough. And I want a team around me that has the foresight to understand they're never going to be perfect, that there's always an evolution and that you, um, I want you to see who you can become in a year or two years from now being at this company, not just who you are today. So if you come in patting yourself on the back, thinking that you're, you know, the, the Don, then the chances are I'm never going to hire you. So it really is with talent. It becomes both parts. It's like the want of talent, the, the drive to always push yourself to accumulate that skill, right? To really refine it. That's to be honest, like even more important than the skill itself because you know mindset is everything if you think you can't you can't if you think you can you can well I love that you had some young folks in there that started with you as interns yeah have just grown with you and grown with the company and I was sharing with one one of the fellows there that I started as an intern when I worked for Steve Harvey back in the day and I was supposed to be there like I think 60 or 90 days or something (laughs) and I ended up being there for two and a half years And it's amazing to me. There's so many young people who listen to the show. And it's amazing to me um, how many people really do despise small beginnings. They like, oh, that's beneath me. I'm better than that. Oh, I went to such and such college or Mm -hmm. I got straight A's. And it's like, 
and you're still starting out. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, you've got to prove yourself. I don't care what, um, where you're born, who, you know, what religion, nationality, skin color, gender, like everyone has to prove themselves. And the best phrase, oh God, I love this phrase so much. And I keep it very um, close to my heart is be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm. Right. Steve Martin actually said it, so I can't steal it from him. But, um, but he said that like, be so good that they can't ignore you. And so what I think to myself is I don't care that I'm a five foot one woman, right? Like if I'm bringing value, if I'm so good, people won't be able to ignore me. And so if that's an intern, go like, what, what is your dream? What is your desire? And then go after it. So if you want to be working at Impact Theory, right? Or you want to be working at the Steve Harvey show, you don't, you're not owed anything, Right. You have to go there. You have to prove yourself, number one, and you have to be so good that they can't ignore you. And so for you, guaranteed, you went in there, you smashed it. So what are people going to say? Well, I don't want to lose this woman. She's bringing too much value. And that's the point where people have to go, okay, well, what do I want out of this job? Like, do I want a full-time position? If so, then you know what you have to get to. And so that's so important to me to think about. So like with our interns, they come in and I'm like, okay, look, I don't care who you are today. The question is, who are you willing to become? What are you willing to do to get there? And are you willing to push yourself in order to achieve those skills? And many people in our team have come on as interns and they've proven that they're willing to learn. They're willing to hear the hard things. They're willing to speak truth because that's also another important part of our culture here. You have to speak truth no matter who you're talking to, whether you're talking to another PA or you're talking to, you know, the president of the company. So all these things, they came in, they opened themselves up, they allowed themselves to be vulnerable, to grow. And then they got so good that when their time was up, I was like, God, I don't want to lose them. So I either had a position for them or I made up a position for them. But that's how they ended up getting to be full time. And none of that is out of generosity of me. None of that is from generosity of Tom or the business. It is out of the fact that they pushed themselves to get to that point. So if any of your listeners wanting to try things, that's the biggest thing that I can suggest to them. It's like no one owes you, but you have the control to get where you want to go. I love that you said speak truth um, because the one time I had a real job, Lisa, I call it quote unquote a real job. But the one (laughs) time I had a job um, where the founder would ask for feedback. And Mm. when we gave it, well, I didn't know that it was a thing that you weren't supposed to give real feedback. So they said give feedback, but they didn't really mean it. Yeah. So Mm. I, I wrote on the paper, like I corrected his grammar, like in a, in a, in a sheet that was going to go out or an email that was going to go out. And so Mm. when I gave it back to him, he's like, what is this? And I'm like, Oh, you asked for feedback. And so my coworkers were like, gave me the the <gasps> stare like what is wrong with you and I'm like oh so we asked for feedback you just don't really want it yeah I like I didn't know that was a thing and I was used to being you know I this was after I had run my own business so mm-hmm. I was used to getting feedback from my team I wanted feedback I used to tell them I'm coachable like wow. you're not gonna hurt my feelings and even if you do I'll get over it I just want to be great yeah Like, I want to do whatever it takes to be great. I think it says so much about you as a leader, you and Tom, that you guys just allow people to speak truth, um, no matter what the titles are, so that folks just 
that's how you grow. Like even that you get to learn your voice by being able to share and be heard and be seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's made such a difference. I mean, cause the truth is no one likes criticism. Like it still stings. It's not like, Oh my God. Yes. This feels like a birthday party. You know, <laughs> it still sucks. But at the same time, I just say to myself, Lisa, you've got two options. Either they're right. And now you just know something about yourself that you can improve on or they're wrong which is fine. They're wrong. Okay. We'll move on. So, you know, it really comes down to ego, right? It's like, is this a reflection of who I am as a human being? And this, this, um, uh, is this part of my identity? And so I've, my identity is a person that's always willing to learn and get better. You know, that's what I've shaped my identity around. Cause when I was younger, it was purely on being right, being liked. And that never served me because I was not always right. And I wasn't always liked. So that just felt terrible. So I just, by shifting my mindset of saying, okay, my identity now is the person that wants the truth because I can get better at anything. If people are true to me, um, it, that's why like, it just allows me to encourage it even more, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. And we have some employees that sometimes, you know, you get hurt feelings and you have to work through them. It's not easy, but yeah, always seeing the result of it being like, oh my God. Okay. Someone told me this. I didn't realize it. I took it to heart. I stepped up. I changed my behavior. I got a new skill set and now I've accomplished something. It's like all I can do is thank that person for bringing that reality to my attention. Yeah, I love that. I can get better at anything. Like I literally can choose, right? One of the things that I've heard you say that I love is I chose this life. Yeah. Say that a couple different times. And I know that we love to say we chose this when it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to say that we chose this when we're not living in what we could we, would consider the dream or yeah. what we would consider ideal. How do you how did you get to this place of taking such responsibility either way? Yeah, it's funny because saying, you know, I chose this life when things are great. It doesn't even really dawn on me, like you said, right? Like it's kind of easy. People are like, oh, yeah, I made this decision. And so I got this. Um but I actually found the most impactful is to say it when I'm um, when things have gone wrong, because at least for me, and I only want to talk for myself, I don't like feeling the victim. It makes me feel weak. It puts my mind in a perspective of I'm out of control. I can't do anything about it. And so for, for me, getting the power back. Um, means that just owning, you know, I could have done something differently. And that doesn't mean that I beat myself up over it. It just means like, oh, wow, I could have done something differently. Okay, great. So next time I'm going to do something differently. Whereas if I play the victim, I'm like, it wasn't up to me. I didn't have a choice. Well, when it happens again, what do you think I'm going to like feel or be in a position? I'm going to be in a position of weakness because I'm going to say, well, here we go again. It's happening all over. Whereas if I can say, okay, it's happening again. Remember, this is in your control. So change, you know, my behavior. It's so powerful that um, I use it a lot. So when there are times when me and my husband We've, um, you know, because we work together, there are moments where we may go four weeks without having like a date, you know, evening or something. And I start to get frustrated. I start to feel like there's a bit of distance in between us. And I just remind myself, you know what, Lisa, you chose this life. And at any point I can stop. I think that 
Yeah. All of us can just stop. Now, um, people are like, oh, it's all right for you. No, it's not all right for me. I was in this position when we started Quest. We started Quest and we had to cut our expenses down so dramatically because I was going to lose my house if Quest didn't succeed. And so there were moments where I had to say no to friends on going out because I couldn't afford it. I had to say no to going to a Starbucks. Or in fact, I even took, a true story, I took coffee from home and met my friends at Starbucks. They bought Starbucks and I just had my home coffee because I wanted to save money. Now I can sit there and say, I don't feel good about this. This makes me feel like I'm not joining in with my, you know, my friends. It makes me feel like I'm not, um, you know, I mean, we all know how sometimes money can make us feel either valued or not valued. And so I started to feel badly about myself. And then I just remind myself, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. You chose to to start the company, you chose to put your house on the line. So right now you're playing the victim that you can't be a part of your friend's, you know, evening out or whatever it is, but I chose it. And so that simple switch made me go, okay, I would go to Starbucks and I would have the biggest smile on my face. And I would be so excited that I was able to have the life that I had, um, that I've chosen and still be able to enjoy time with my friends or like with my husband. I'm like, all right, Lisa, well, if you haven't seen him for four weeks, do something about it because it's in your control or don't do something about it and stop complaining. But the, tr- the truth is it is in my control and I can act accordingly. And I find it so empowering. It is so empowering. And I love that because you took it from either or, and you just made it an end. Like I can mm-hmm. stay true to what I feel like I'm called to do right now and still enjoy my friends. Mm-hmm. There's a way to bridge the gap, but because so many of us walk around with this either or, we yeah. miss out on so many things. Either we miss out on being genuine and authentic to what we really feel like is our assignment mm-hmm. right now, right? Because we're trying to people please or yeah. we fit in or we want to be liked. Or we just like totally go in the in the direction of only focusing on the business or the money or the whatever it is we're working on and we dismiss everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know people who just tell friends, no, I can't go out at all. I can't. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been there definitely when I'm writing books or something like I, most of the time I shut down on a lot mm-hmm. of things for a season, right. For that period, because that's what I'm choosing. Right. But I see people who do this forever, right. Where it's always this kind of either or either, or there's never an end. So true. It never actually dawned on me that I was saying that word. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, that is so good. And I want to circle back to this. Um, You know, you said you put the house up on the line. One of the things I've heard you say, you asked yourself at one point was, how all in am I? Yeah. (laughs) That is so good because I meet people all the time who say they want all of these lofty goals and dreams um, and they want the relationship and they want the freedom of travel or they want whatever it is. But then when they're presented with an opportunity to invest in that, to mm-hmm. sow something into that, I've seen people him and ha and essentially stay in the same place because they didn't want to make a $200 investment. Right. Right. You put your house up on the line. I know you and your partners put in, I think it was like, a uh, what was it? Six figures, a hundred thousand to yeah, something like that. Yeah. Tell us about that time and just, even the ability to make that decision because most people are not going to put their house up on the line, Lisa. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like, really, it comes down to, it's okay. If you don't want to put your house up on the line, don't put it up. Know that you are setting limits. 
and it's okay, right? Like there's these two things of like, I don't want to feel badly. So um, I'm going to go all in and, you know, potentially lose my house or like, I don't want to lose my house. So I'm not going to go all in either. Like there's no right or wrong answer here, basically. Right. At the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. But for me, when I looked at like, okay, we're putting, you know, all our time, every ounce of energy into this business. And then it came down to my husband said, if we lose, right, if Quest doesn't succeed, we lose a house. Are you willing to sacrifice that? And so for me, I looked at the situation and said, okay, I don't want to lose my house. Who wants to? No one. Of course they don't. But I don't want to. So what does it, my life look like in 10 years time if I don't put my house on the line and Quest fails, right? Because now we haven't got the finances to really back it. What does my life look like? Okay, well, if that happens, can I look back and say, but Lisa, you gave it your all. And the truth is, no, I can't because I didn't give it my all. And if I'm okay with that, then great. If I go, you know what? I wasn't willing to put up my house. And so I didn't succeed. And there you go. That That's a decision that I made. But I don't want to fool myself in thinking it's not a decision. It's not a choice. It absolutely is. And when I was faced with that decision, I said, do I want to look back and say, did I give it everything? And I knew that if I didn't put the house up on the line and if I didn't commit my life to the business, then I can't fool myself and think that I gave it my all. And so I do that with anything that I do. I'm like, all right, what am I willing to sacrifice? And what am I not willing to sacrifice? Make those decisions with utter clarity before you go into something. Because once you're in it, right, you kind of get like drunk with the emotions. So you're like, should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know. Oh my God, I'm fearful. Is the business about to close? And it becomes chaotic, at least for me. So what I do with any new endeavor that I'm entering, I just say, what am I willing to sacrifice? How all in am I willing to go and then act accordingly? So with Tom and Quest, I said, what am I willing to lose? And I said, the only thing I'm not willing to lose is my husband. Mm. And that was a very fine line with me. And I was like, the second this comes into conflict of our relationship and we're unable to, because I think, you know, you have to communicate and you have to, you know, work on it. But if we'd got to a point where, okay, it's either the business or my relationship, I choose my relationship. And I said that with other clarity before we even started the company. So now I know when we're a hundred million dollars into the company, I, I still felt the same with utter clarity. I'd made the decision that if ever, no matter how successful the business is going to you know, become, Am, am I willing to sacrifice my husband? No. And that decision was made. And so anytime it would come into conflict, I knew what decision to make. Okay. One of these moments, is this a conflict of, you know, spending time with my husband and it can put our relationship on the line? Yes or no. And if it was a yes, I would switch off work and I would spend, pay attention to my husband. But it gave me a very, it's like a barometer for me. It was a great way for me to know what to do, what not to do. And then again, not having regrets, because that's one thing that I would always worry about. Am I going to regret it? Am I going to be there and say, you know what? I should have done that. And if I don't analyze what I'm willing to do, then in the future, I'm going to look back and say, yeah, I should have done it. Whereas now I'm just like, no, I made it with utter clarity for that decision with utter clarity. I see why people call you a badass, right? <laughs> right. Before we even met on that panel, like I've heard of you. So I now I really, it's really coming to life for me. But what really gets me is that you did not grow up thinking you were going to be some badass businesswoman. Not like, at all. 
you were totally opposite. And as a matter of fact, you were actually a housewife for how long? Eight years. For eight years. How does someone make this type of switch? It's sad. I don't, it's not a quick, easy fix. It, um, when I look back for me, it was, I was primed my whole life to slip into the housewife role. I come from a very traditional Greek family. My entire life, I was told I'm going to get married and have kids. So even though I had actually big dreams of being in the film business, when I got married, it was super easy for me to slip into that role because I'd basically been primed for it my whole life. And so when my husband came home and suggested this new business venture called Quest, initially, I I would love to actually say like, oh my God, I, I saw like it was a chance to break through. The truth was it wasn't. I was like, of course, of course, I'm going to help you, babe. I'm, I'm, I'm a supportive wife. I took pride in it. So when he was like, will you help? I jumped in saying, yeah, of course, I'm going to help you because you're my husband and that's what a supportive wife does. It wasn't until I actually started to ship bars. So when it started from our living room floor. I was kind of walking to our postal's office, you know, two or three times a week. We had an order. I was so excited. And within two years, we were growing so quickly. We grew at 57,000%. So within two years, I'd gone from shipping bars from my living room floor to building out a 10,000 square foot um, shipping department where I had... Um, 40 employees work underneath me and we were dealing $80 million in revenue. And this was in two years. So, yeah. So as I reflect back and say, how did I actually do it? Because sometimes when you're in the weeds, you're just trying to keep up, right? So when you're on the treadmill, you're just like, don't stop moving your legs, Lisa, don't stop moving your legs. Right. So like I was on the treadmill, but in reflection, I look back and say, okay, how did I actually do it? It was multiple things. One, it was absolutely the fear of not wanting to lose my house. So going back to like owning whether I succeed or not, I was like, I've put my house up on the line. So right now, when someone's come to me like GNC, they come to me and they want me to figure out freight shipping to GNC headquarters and how much we're going to do and getting a truck delivered and getting certified forklift drivers, like all these things. I had no clue what I was doing. And in those moments where I'm like on their phone to like their head shipping um, person, I've got no experience. I'm like, all right, I've got a choice. I can either get shit scared and run. I can either face it and ask all the questions I need to so that I can actually achieve and accomplish what I need to in this moment. Um, Or I can just try and pretend that I know what I'm doing and know that eventually it's going to catch up with me because no secret, like pretending to know something is always going to catch up with you. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I can figure it out because if I don't, then there's consequences. And so in those moments of feeling weak or unsure of myself, I just kept asking questions. And I was like, I may look stupid right now to these professionals at GNC, but at the end of the day, I can either worry about looking stupid or not get the job done. So I was like, okay, well, I have to do the job because my house is on the line. So I just have to ask the right questions. And so I let go of my ego. I asked every single question I had to, to learn what to do, to then be able to execute. And once I got a small win, it taught me to be like, all right, no one made fun of you. Because in school, I would get made fun of if I'd put my hand up and ask questions. So I just didn't ask questions because I didn't want to get picked on anymore. And now I had shown myself, huh, putting my hand up and asking questions actually got me what I wanted. And not just that, it got us a sale with GNC that got, you know, X amount of money into the company. 
So I got the positive win. And then with the positive win, it encouraged me to do it again and then do it again and do it again and know that, okay, I fall on my face multiple times. But at the end of the day, I always was able to pick myself back up. What I love about it too is we make up so many stories about what people are going to think about us if we ask questions. Yeah. The truth is when we don't ask questions and pretend, we make their job a living hell too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like- yeah. People would rather you ask the question and just answer and help you rather than you pretend and then mess it up for everyone. And now we have to like redo things or rework something. Um, I learned that along the way too. Like I am so big on now in this stage of my life, asking questions mm-hmm. and not, not feeling like I have something to hide or, or a reason to pretend. Yeah. Right? I know more than I know. I know what I know and what I don't know, I don't know, but I'm willing to ask the right questions to know. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's that simple but we make it so difficult. And I think it does go back for me too. I remember asking questions. I didn't get teased for it, but it just was frowned upon, Mm. you know, uh, even with my daughter, I see it sometimes where, you know, a teacher may think that she's being challenging because she's asking a lot of questions and she's like, no, I I just literally don't know. Mm. Or they think that she's being funny and she's a very literal kid. So she like needs to get the deeper meaning or understand um, but it's, it's crazy because you saw through this experience, how, what happened in childhood was not true, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. that was not something that needed to run you for the rest of your life. But there's yeah. so many people where the traumas of our childhood are still running the show. Yeah. It's and I, decisions. yeah, and I get it. Right. I understand, but um, once you're able to really embody that that can change, everything in your life changes. You know, I had a choice to believe I was a certain type of person or I had a choice to believe I wasn't that type of person. So when you're getting negative feedback when you're younger, where you're told, you know, oh, you've got a big nose, you've got braces, you're, you know, like I got teased a lot for all of this stuff. And it was just like, okay, that doesn't define me. And knowing that it doesn't define me and knowing that I can come through the other end is so empowering. And once I had that one win, right, always going back to the one win, once I realized, huh, that's interesting. I never had self-esteem on this issue. I read something, I learned something, and now I do. It gives you that extra courage to keep pushing forward and know that like, wow, I used to believe I was a certain type of person, but now I know that I was wrong. What else did I believe when I was a kid that could actually be wrong or, you know, misinterpreted or it's a perception, right? You, ha- you develop a certain type of perception based on what you were told as a kid. So if you were told you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not clever enough, as you get older, your perception may be that exact thing, but that doesn't mean that it's real. It that- doesn't mean that it's not true. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of the small wins. I call them God wings. And I refer to them as just like, just those little things. And I mean, they could be little big, but I just say them as see them as things that just keep me moving in the right direction. Like me just knowing like, okay, keep, just keep going. (laughs) Like I see it as that just keep going, but I love how you relate those things all across the board. It's like, Hmm, what else did I make up a story about? I know during our interview, I told you about how I made up the story about me not being able to run. Like, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And then I literally just heard myself one day and I go, why do you keep saying that? Like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with your knees. Your legs work fine. You're in decent health. Like, why is it that you keep saying you're not a runner? And it's true. I have been able to look at that in several different areas of my life and go, why did you make this up? Or where did this come from? And just tell yourself a new story. You and that's it, girl. You hit the nail on the head. To tell, like, tell yourself a new story. Because everything that we believe has been a story that we've either told ourselves or people have told us. And so if we understand and agree that we can construct it, why not work to construct one that is empowering? Yeah. Yeah. And in your case too, I love that it allowed you to rise to the occasion. I think so for so many of us, you fear that you don't know something before you even start. Mm-hmm. And that alone keeps you back. But wow. it's like asking the questions allows you to just rise to the occasion. Like my husband and I started a transportation and logistics business. We didn't know nothing about <laughs> we knew nothing about like trucking and all the things that have come with it. And every time we're on the phone, one of us are on the phone with someone and they're like, Yeah, do you have your blah 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 blah? We're like, huh. Can you say what that means? Like, because I can go get that. Is that what you need me to have? Okay, cool. Right. And then it's like, we get off the phone, we start Googling, we start researching, we find out how to do it. But it's also fun. Like, it's fun figuring out things because there is an entire world of things out there that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And going through these types of challenges really does allow you to rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think you're right. People just want to have it like already be at that level, but they, you know, not realizing that everything's a stage. It's all stepping stones, right? And that you have to start at the start line, Um, you know, and that's really important. In fact, Rachel Hollis is something that I really love. Like don't stop comparing your beginning to my middle, Mm. I love that so much because it's true, right? People may look at you and the success you've had on myself and be like, well, I'm not there. Well, the difference is you're, you're comparing your start to my middle or my end. And so it's not apples to apples. So like as an example, like what you just did with your example with you, um, Tom and I, you know, we um, got maybe 20 years ago now when we first started hearing the low carb diet, we were like, okay, cool. Low carb diet. Yep. We got this. We actually went to um, Panda Express, bought the orange chicken from Panda Express, didn't get the rice and said, oh, this is low carb, right? <laughs> now, the fact that it's breaded and it's dipped in sugar and, you know, all of it, we had no clue. Now, those same people with the people that went on to build one of the largest nutrition companies in the world. So you have to start somewhere and it's okay if you don't know, right? And that's, I think another thing is like in a world where we're, things are moving so rapidly, we look at something like, oh, I don't know that, so I shouldn't do it. It's like, no, it's okay to not know, to be the beginner. And I remind myself of that every single day on the littlest things. Like I was watching a movie the other day and um, there was a scene where someone was p- playing the piano. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I could play the piano. And then I just stopped. And my husband looked at me and he's like, but you can. And I was like, you know what? You're right. If I really wanted to play the piano, in fact, if I wanted to be the world's best, I believe in myself that I could teach myself on a long enough timeline. 
if I stopped doing everything, if I shut down the business, if I stopped working out, I could be the one of the world's best piano players because I know that I'd be willing to put in the time. It may take me 20 years to get there, but I like to believe that I can achieve anything I set my mind to. And that is so empowering that it allows me with any crazy idea that I have to go into it thinking I could do this if I want to. Mm. That's powerful. That's powerful. That is so much better than just saying what you can't do. Because yeah. I have this thing about cooking. That well, yeah. <laughs> knows, right? But it's like, no, it's actually a choice because there are things that I cook very well. I joke and say that my best dish is cereal, but that's not true. Yeah. Um, there are things that I cook very well. It's just I'm not ready to make the investment of time to be a great cook. Exactly. And that is so empowering, right? Because you just tell yourself, no, I, I choose. I don't. Um, sorry. I choose not to take the time to get that good. Well, okay, now it's a choice, right? Now it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Now it puts the control in your hands. It's a choice that you make. Cool. Now I don't feel badly about not knowing it. Right. And when I decide that I'm ready to and I'm bragging about my dishes, don't remind me of my past. Like, don't tell me, well, you used to say that you hated the kitchen. Okay, now I don't. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing is sometimes I think there's a fear of choosing what you really want because you've been known for something else for so long. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that holds a lot of people back. I mean, you could have made the choice that, well, you know, I grew up in this traditionally Greek family. And so I'm supposed to be just a wife, just a mother. Like I'm not supposed to do this other stuff and I don't want to be, or you could be hiding the fact that you're even a part. there's so many things you could choose to do um one of the choices that you've made was to not have children yes and we talked about this on that panel again Mm -hmm. shout out to danny jay and jill for bringing um the best life podcast but you talked about it on the panel and we talked about how just people are never happy no matter what you choose you have Mm -hmm. one kid they want you to have 10 Right. You have three. You should only have two. You have none. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Kind of just talk about that. Just your choice to not. How do you get people out of your business, Lisa? Um, I've learned that you can't. (laughs) So I've stopped that fight. Um, It's not really one that it's worth fighting. It really ended up becoming like I had to work on being okay with my decision. And I think that that was the biggest switch for me. So I, because I, was a, I had been a housewife my entire life, I thought I was going to have kids, three to four children. Like I was the one that was, of course, I'm going to have children. And then as I started to develop and change at Quest, I started to realize, wow, I'm actually like feeling on fire for what I do. And over time, I was like, I don't know if I want kids. And I was so, I guess, ashamed to admit that out loud because I didn't want to be judged and I spent so much time worrying about what people would think of me and here's the crazy thing it wasn't even people like my husband because I told my husband I wanted children so now here I am eight or nine years into our relationship and I'm going to change and I'm going to say hey I've actually I don't want kids that was really hard now he was so supportive and he's like look you've got one life to live so if children isn't in the cards for you do not have them because you feel like I want them and actually he the good news is he felt the same he's like yes I love what we do so that was actually fortunate but I didn't know that initially and the biggest fear 
um, I'd had was a letting telling him because I didn't want him to feel like I trapped him that I, you know, or lied to him. It was an evolution and I was starting to change and I had to vocalize that he was very supportive. But then ultimately it was what are other people going to say? And specifically women, I was most um, worried about. I was most worried that women would perceive me as being like not nurturing, not caring, not loving. And a lot of these things are things that I am. You know, I love people. I love to nurture. Like when your daughter came, I just want to like, you know, keep giving her things. She loved you so much. Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I can totally vouch for the nurturing and loving. She just loved you. And that's part of me. And so I was like, I really do have this part of me, but I don't want to be perceived in a different way. And over time, I started to realize that was really becoming detrimental to myself because I wasn't owning who I was and I wasn't owning what I wanted in life. And eventually I had to step up. And the first one of the first comments I got was, well, don't you think that's selfish? And that surprised me. Like, I didn't expect that to like come up. Yes, say that I'm not nurturing, but that I was selfish. And I legitimately was like, well, who's selfish on who? Like, my child isn't here yet. So... Is wanting the life that I want selfish when I'm not harming anyone? Like, it was very confusing for me. Um, And so over time, I had to just embrace, all right, Lisa, you've made a decision that is right for you, your husband, and your business. And me and my husband are fully engaged and on board with not having children. So ultimately, I have to let go of what other people think because I can't control it. Because that was another thing. I was finding myself justifying Right, like when people were like, Oh, you got kids? No, we've chosen not to, but this is the reason. And I would go into like a five to 10 minute spiel about why I've decided to not have children. And then I realized, Wow, Lisa, you, you, you're having to justify yourself. How do I get to the point where I can just say it, own it? And if people have judgment on you, then that's okay. And I worked on it and I worked through why I was worried. And, you know, I would tell one person and you would get that like support or not support. And then I would tell myself, okay, the person that just supported you is someone that you should keep in your life. The person that just judged you for it is showing their true colors. They don't belong in your life. And so I started to assess and come to terms with it. And now I'm very fully in ownership of my decision. Um, And actually, we just shot a couple of days ago a panel show um, for Women of Impact of women coming on saying that they've made different decisions. I'm a working mother. I've chosen to not have children because I've noticed that we're living now in a world where we are just judging each other. Right. Women are judging women for not having kids. Women are judging women for um, doing both and, you know, not being necessarily home all the time and, you know, having a business or women are being judged because they decide they want to be stay at home mothers. And now people are being judged like, oh, is that all you do? You mean you don't have a job? And it's just crazy. The world literally can't win. You You can't can't win if you are going to base your life off of other people's perceptions, trying to manage their opinions or their perceptions. Because like I said, I have one child Mm -hmm. um, biologically. I have one child and people will go, oh, you must not have more because you're more focused on your business. Let's say that was the reason. Yeah. Let's say that was. What's it to you? Right. Pay for my daughter's school. You don't take care of my bills. You don't contribute over here. What's it to you? Well, that's not right that she's an only child or that she has to live as an only child. 
there are millions of only children in the world who are well-adjusted, productive citizens. What are you worried about? Right. It's like uh, you, you can't win. And so to your point, I've stopped trying to fight that fight. Like now when people say, oh, you only have one. Yes. And here's the thing that I try to think when that type of thing happens. I think what has been their thought process like where they are in a, where they feel like they have to judge me? Is it that they've got four kids or three kids because they told themselves, oh God, you know, or their perception was having a loan, you know, just one kid is like, it's not fair on them. Or they've been told that, right? So they then succumb to it. They then were like, I, I've been told just having one kid, they're going to be lonely. So I have to have more. Now they've had more and they're seeing someone who made a different choice and now they're projecting. Like I try to go into every scenario because ultimately I don't think people want to make each other feel badly. They just have a certain judgment that they've developed over time that they're then projecting onto people when they come into conflict. That's good. And when you look at it from that place, it almost gives you more compassion. A hundred right? It gives you more compassion, like, hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and this was actually, do you know who JJ Virgin is? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if you know her story about when her, her kids got hit by the car. Oh. Um, so her, a, a long time ago now, um, her child got hit by a car and they, um, it was a hit and run. And so she's in hospital with her son. She doesn't know if they're going to, if he's going to live or not. And her entire community rallied behind her and they're like, we need to find this hit and run person. We need to prosecute them. They were like gunning for this person. And JJ turned around and said, all this energy right now that you're putting into trying to find some this person, please put it on helping my son get better. She mm-hmm. said, because right now I don't know the person that hit and run my son. For all I know, they're an illegal immigrant and they've been here for, let's say, 30 years. Their entire life is here. Their kids were born here. And, you know, and it's a woman who hit my son and is just worried. Oh, my God, if I stay, they're going to catch me. And now I have to um, leave the country, leave my children. And like, what kind of life is that for them? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I don't know what story is in that hit and run person's head. So I can't judge them for it. And right now, all the energy is being put into hate instead of being put into love for my son. And I was like, man, when you can get so out of your own body and be empathetic to a hit and run driver that has just hit your child, like that is so strong to me that anyone that is going to spiel hate or anything onto me, it's like, man, I just want to be empathetic to maybe there's something in their life that I'm just not aware of. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good because you just never know. You don't. You don't know where that person's coming from. You know, or she even said like my her son was battling from um, depression, and um, she's like, for all I know, he stepped out in front of the car. She's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened yet. I don't have the full story. That's powerful. Yeah, I mean, like, and I just remind myself of that story every time that I'm thinking, um, you know, someone's judging me or someone's got a perception. It's like, wow, like, where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? That is so good. Lisa, oh, my gosh, I have like a million things to ask you, but not enough time. So (laughs) I want to ask you one more thing, um, because we talk a lot about the fit pillar here. And as Mm -hmm. you know, it's about becoming your best self. And 
I think just now we unpack so much of the mental stuff, right? Even just managing other people's perceptions. But I do want to touch on the physical fitness piece because you are so transparent about your journey. Um, And the fact that, yes, you do, you are a co-founder of a billion dollar company, but even in that, you still find yourself struggling with your health. Yeah. I really want to just unpack that a little bit and share a bit of your journey and your testimony. I know you're still on this path. But it's so important for people to hear because so many folks think that money is the end all be all. And, you know, I talk about this so much that your health matters. And so there were possibly some choices that you've made along the way that contributed. And I love that you take ownership of this. Can you just talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So as a very quick um, rundown, about four years ago, we were at the height of the company. I mean, winning awards on the top. I mean, like our dreams had come true. We bought our house in Beverly Hills that we had been dreaming about. We used to take drives when we were super poor around Beverly Hills to look at the houses. And so we finally bought the house. We bought like a bottle of Dom Perignon. I wanted to do one of those fun like um, scenes from the hip hop um, music yeah, where you're like, you're by the waterfall outside pouring Dom Perignon on your naked body. Like, that was my dream, right? <laughs> and so here I am. We've got the house. We've got the bottle. We've got the waterfall. And I take a chug of champagne. We've got the music playing. And within 30, 30 minutes, my stomach literally started to cramp up. Within an hour, I found it very difficult to breathe. And that was the start of a four-year journey of not really being able to eat. Now, the story behind how I got sick is definitely like 15 years of antibiotic antibiotic abuse. I was getting sick a lot. The doctors were giving me antibiotics a lot. And so I was taking a lot more antibiotics than I should have done. And I had a very restrictive diet. I made poor diet choices. So all of that accumulated to this one moment of me by the waterfall where it felt like my digestion, literally, it felt like it erupted. That is the perfect explanation, I can say. And so for a year after that, I couldn't barely eat anything. So I lost so much weight. My hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. And I'm co-founder of one of the largest nutrition companies in the world. So I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I pretended. I didn't tell people I was sick. Um, There was a whole lot of emotion going on around it. And the the. Um, punchline, I guess, if you will, is now four years later, I take absolute ownership over what had happened to me. Um, everyone's like, oh my God, can you believe the doctors gave you antibiotics? And it's like, but I was the one that took them. Like I swallowed them. No one force fed them to me. The doctors kept saying every time they were prescribing, you know, really having a lot isn't really good for you. Okay. Did I ever ask why? Did I ever research it? Did I ever type into Google antibiotics and side effects? Like long-term side effects? No. So taking ownership to me is the only right answer in order to give me the control back as I'm struggling. Because imagine, right, I'm eating things and I can't stomach it and I'm getting cramps to the point where I can't breathe. Okay, well, I can say, why me? And play the victim role. Or I can say, okay, Lisa, you did this to yourself. It's okay. I don't beat myself up about it. And that's so important for people to hear. Do not beat yourself up over it. So I didn't beat myself up up over it. I said, this is my fault. Great. Now I can take ownership. Now I can change and I can take control and fix the problem. 
And so that's basically what I've been doing. And for four years, I've gone from not being able to eat to like stumbling and figuring things out. It's hard to fly. So I'm still on that journey. I have absolutely spoken out and admitted it because I find that there's absolutely powerful knowledge in, in other people's stories. Yeah. And so I found it part of my duty to speak out and say, hey, there's a lot of women out there that are struggling from, with health issues. And I understand what you're going through. It doesn't matter who you are, what success you've had in life, what money you have. I'm in the same boat you guys are in. Every day I struggle to get out of bed. Well, not every day now, but I used to. And it's like, and I sometimes I don't feel good about myself. And I don't feel sexy for my husband because I've got stomach cramps and I can't even wear a bra. And all of these things are real. They're all real emotions. They're all real struggles. And for me to try and hide it is doing a disservice to every other person, human being out there that is suffering from a health issue. And so I have now adopted it as my responsibility to speak out about it, to let people know that money does not buy happiness. And I am the absolute cliche of that because here I was at the top of my game, wealthier, with more money than I'd ever even dreamt about in my life. And I can't eat or stand up. Well, what, what does money get me? Right? It, it didn't get me anything in that situation. And understanding the mindset of the fact that, one, I also did it to myself in the sense of I pushed myself to the extreme when we were building quests. I didn't listen to my body. I didn't think about my health. I pushed myself every single day, and that was a mistake. And now I think that understanding that, yes, we may have the mindset to push ourselves when we're feeling tired, to overcome the obstacles, and that's impressive and it's amazing. But we also have to have the mindset to know when not to push and when to pull back and when to say, you know what, right now I'm going down a path that is only going to end in disaster. And I've had to try and listen to myself. And when I say disaster, I mean, I know sometimes, Lisa, you've worked way too many hours. You've been pushing yourself for way too long. And right now, what your mind needs to do is know when to back off, not when to keep pushing because, you know, grit is everything. And that's been something that I've had to work on over specifically this last year or two, where I, you know, have to say no to people. I have to say no um, when I really want to do something, but know that it's not good for my body. Because it's like a car, right? If you don't keep refueling your car, you're never going to get to your destination. Oh, girlfriend. <laughs> well, I hope I answered your question. Sorry, I kind of went off. You did more than answer the question. You are just a real life example. And I'm so grateful. And I know so many people listening, women in particular, are so grateful that you are open to sharing this part because it's so easy to hide it. It would be so easy to cover it up, to hide, to pretend, but taking all of that off, you know, like all the fake stuff off and just being real, yeah. you're going to save so many people. You're going to save. I Like, I just pray that as people listen to this, the person who is just burning themselves out right now listens to you and says, you know what? I better listen to my body. Yeah. I better heed. Like, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. There's nothing wrong with sleeping in some days. There's nothing wrong with not being on the I, I hustle and grind all night long. 
at the end of the day, our story is our story. Mm-hmm. And all of these stories have value. All of them have purpose if we're willing to share them. If we're willing to share them and not be ashamed or afraid mm-hmm. or hide because there's always someone else who just needs to hear it. That's the truth. And if it's one person, I'm loving recently, I was just saying I got from Rachel Luna, like an audience of one is still an audience. Oh, yeah. And if there's one person, if there's one person who can be blessed by this, but I know there'll be so many who reach out to you. Just thank you for that. Before I let you go, we ask Redefining Wealth Rapid Wisdom questions at the Uh end of every episode. So this will be laser. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, I like games. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I get like I'm serious. (laughs) Okay. So how do you define success if you believe in success? Um, How do I define success? Um, It is how much I smile on a daily basis. This is why I love you, Lisa. (laughs) Because here's the thing. It's like, I didn't want to give you a bullshit answer and it's changed over time. And so success absolutely was how much money do I have in my bank account? How many followers do, does Quest Nutrition have? How many followers does Impact Theory have? And I just realized that there's no end to that. Like I want to be so freaking big that that number doesn't stop. And so going back to my health and stuff, it's like, man, let me tell you, if I'm not waking up and I'm not smiling consistently in a day, like I got one life to live. And so I better be smiling a lot. I love it. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Never wanting. Oh God, I don't know if that actually makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah, did I, did I, did I get two words? <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't mean like, oh, I want, um, you know, a yacht. Yes, I do want a yacht. But on a daily basis, like what are my wants? Do I feel fulfilled? Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Oh, how I see wealth. Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. Oh, no. Um, have you read her book? No. She's so good. So I just had her on the show as well. Amazing. It's kind of like she talks about love languages and things like that. But it really does make you assess yourself and what your language is um, in business and in personal So I think you think you want something, but when someone has to, like with your questions, right, when you have to narrow something down, you may have like 10 different things that you love, but if you can only pick one, it makes you really assess how you feel about it. Um, And so her book was definitely eye-opening on what am I receiving um, and is, uh, yeah, like is... Is that um, satisfying to me? It, and I think everything goes back to satisfaction for me because it's not a numeric thing. It's am I satisfied, yes or no, with my personal life, with my relationship, with my business. Um, and her book really does um, make me think about that specifically. Oh, I love that. I love that question. Am I satisfied? That's mm-hmm. kind of like what redefining wealth is too. It's yeah. kind of like you look at each pillar and go, Am I where I want to be in this? Yeah. And it's a yes or no answer. If it's a no, there's work to do. Right. Like it doesn't, even the scale of one to 10, it's like, if it's a three, there's work to do. If there's a seven, there's still work you can do. Like, you know, it's like my, one of my favorite Jay-Z lines, like there's levels to this shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The last one is a fill in the blank. So you're going to say, my name is. Okay. And for me, the truth about wealth is. Okay. 
My name is Lisa Bilyeu and the truth about wealth is that it is not about money in your bank account. It is about how you feel every single morning about yourself when you look in the mirror. Love it. I love it, love it, love it. And I love you. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're incredible. Go back at you. All right. Wasn't Lisa incredible? I think the thing I'm still kind of stuck on was even just her definition of wealth, never wanting. And all the folks that we've interviewed here at Redefining Wealth, that was the first time I heard never wanting. And hearing it again still makes me kind of feel like a fullness on the inside. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's a feeling of abundance, right? It's a feeling of, of having more than enough and never lacking, never operating in scarcity. And I can tell you from being in her presence and being around her that you feel that, you pick up on that. Uh, because I've been around people who have had great success, but they're still wanting and searching for validation and still wanting and searching for to be recognized, even with the money. And Lisa and her itty bitty package is such a powerhouse that you don't you don't feel that what you feel is always how can i serve how can i support you how can i just keep helping you get to your next level and so again lisa girl completely love you you're absolutely amazing you're astonishing and i'm grateful to have you in my world and you guys show lisa some love go over to her page on instagram both her pages lisa bill you at Lisa Bilyeu, as well as at Women of Impact. And tell her that you heard her here on the Redefining Wealth podcast and tell her thank you. If you were introduced to me because of Women of Impact, then go and tell her thank you uh, for that as well. Because the only way that we all rise is to share each other's platforms and put each other out there so that these amazing messages can just keep reaching uh, every crevice of this earth. And so again, I'm grateful for Lisa and women like Lisa who have done that for me. And I want to continue to use redefining wealth to keep doing that for others. And again, if you're interested in the mastery momentum mastermind, check us out at mastery and next week. You'll have an episode full of uh, what mastery momentum really means, but you'll also hear from some of the ladies currently in the mastermind. And I can't wait for you to hear about the progress that they've made, the mindset shifts uh, and everything that's been created for them. So make sure you stay tuned and stick around for next week. Until next time, guys, here's what I want for you. As always, I want you to go live your life's purpose. I want you to find fulfillment and I want you to earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Later.